everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. So I have a question I'm curious about, and now it's probably as good a time as any to ask you. Why are you part of, engaged with a church? I mean, why have you decided it's worth connecting, worth coming, worth contributing time and money to a church? Let's talk about it on this edition of Journey at Home. Appreciate you joining me today. So here's what I've been noticing, and you have too, probably. Across America and right here in our community, plenty of people have decided they're not going to be part of a church, or they're at least not as engaged as they used to be with a church. Maybe they watch online sometimes. Maybe they've just moved on entirely. And I'm not being critical of those people at all. Matter of fact, my guess is, and this is just my opinion, but my hunch is that when life gets tough enough and they run into some painful circumstances, Many of them are probably going to re-engage with the church at that point, and that's great. But you didn't disengage, at least not completely. I mean, you're here and you're watching, right? So why? Is it really worth it for you? Now, I don't know how you would answer that question, but I do know how one of Jesus' most famous first century followers answered it. He was an educated, brilliant, successful man who had walked away from his career and devoted 30 years of his life to starting churches around the Mediterranean Rim. Eventually, it cost him everything. It cost him his life. His name, you may be able to guess, was Paul. And if you wonder why he would do what he did, it's because he discovered the extraordinary value that comes when you experience God work for you in and through a local church. Now, he explains a bit of this in a letter that he wrote to the church in the city of Ephesus. And I want to share a little bit of it with you. As he's writing them, he says, Hey, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, which was Paul's way of saying, I believe everybody's created by God and for God. Everybody's made in his image for his purposes. And then Paul writes this to them. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches he may strengthen you, all you Christians in the church, with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he writes, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He says, I pray that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And then he ends this little section by saying, now to him, to God, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, what a him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That explains why Paul believed the church matters so much. God works for us through the community that we call the church. This is how he viewed it. God reveals himself to us partly through this community that we call the church. According to Paul, God uses the church to strengthen us, to build our faith, to help us understand the depth of how much he loves us. It's through the church, and the church is just us, right? You and me. It's through the church that we experience 
God's power at work in and through us personally in a unique way. It's through the people that make up the church that our trust in God is deepened, our purpose for God is found. So if you ask me why the church matters to me, well, I'd tell you it's personal for me. Obviously, I believe in what God can do through you so much that I'm investing my life in this for you. And I can do a lot of other things with my life, but there's nothing I would rather be doing than this. And the reason it's so personal for me is because in so many ways, the church has saved and shaped my life. It didn't save my life because I'd wrecked my life and I needed rescuing. It was actually the opposite. The church saved my life because of what it prevented in my life. I'll bet this is some of your stories too. I've spent my entire life in church, and so as I think about it, I'm pretty confident I know where I'd be without the influence of that community of people around me. If you snapped your fingers and removed all the influence of the church from my life, I am certain I would have made a much bigger mess of things. But the local church has prevented me from a whole lot that otherwise I think I would have gotten into. And I bet the same is true for some of you, isn't it? If you removed it from your lives, you wouldn't be where you are today either. I know that's true for me. For example, the church informed my conscience. The church is where God taught me that everybody has intrinsic value and ought to treat them that way. It's where I learned to love my enemies, to do good to those who hate me, to love others the way God's loved me. It's where I learned that I was accountable to God for how I treat other people. It's where I learned to choose what's right over what's wrong. It's where I learned that sin comes with both pleasure and a penalty. You know, the pleasure lasts for a moment, the penalty, well, that can last for a long time. The local church is where I learned to choose humility, to own my mistakes, to make things right with others. It's where I learned to let go of bitterness and anger and to choose to forgive. The church is where I learned to be honest because lying hurts me and it hurts those around me. Now, not only that, but the church also pointed me to my purpose. Somebody asked me not too long ago, have you always believed God had a plan for your life? And my answer was, yeah, I have. And the reason is because from the time I can remember, the people in the churches I was a part of taught me that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And they showed me that that purpose was bigger than me. They told me that I was created on purpose for a purpose. They encouraged me to pray about all the decisions I made in my life and to ask God to guide me because he cared. It was through the church that I learned that every decision I make matters because decisions and not intentions, well, they determine my direction and ultimately my destination. The church is where I was taught to ask God for wisdom every day, wisdom to see as he sees. And I was taught that God promised to give me wisdom generously. Here's something else I was thinking about recently. The church provided me with some lifelong friendships. Every long-time friendship I've developed has come from and through the church. They developed because I was often part of some small group at church and started forming these relationships. And you know what those friendships have done? Well, I'm pretty certain they've kept me from making a mess of my life because every time I'm about to do something stupid, those people have no problem looking at me and going, stop, you know, you're being an idiot. They'd be there if I needed fixing some things, but they're much more valuable by preventing things in my life. Here's something else. The church showed me that God's activity is all around the world. Now, you probably understand this. We all tend to live in our little worlds, don't we? We assume everybody's world is just like ours. But God used the church to show me the world is way bigger than my world, and he is at work all over the world. So when I was 16, my dad took me with him on my very first mission trip. He took me to Brazil. 
Now this was not a glamorous trip to Rio either, okay? We were in a little slum town up in the mountains where when it rained, you'd watch the human waste run down an open ditch right by the road. But in spite of the extremely poor conditions, I watched people who had nothing willing to give their most valuable possessions to us rich Americans who were there. They cooked us their finest meals, even though it meant that they'd have nothing but beans and rice for the rest of the month. That's how generous they were. And I watched God work in and through those people to teach me what it meant to have faith. And that's the other thing the church did for me. The church taught me how to be generous. Because I grew up in a church that taught, you know, when you get a dollar, you gave first. And so from the first dollar I made at the age of 12 when I started my little lawn mowing business, I've just always done that. I've given 10% or more of my income away. And it is not because I'm spiritual. It's not because I'm some great guy. It's just been easy for me because it's what I was taught when I was a kid. It's been modeled for me my whole life. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. Because you know what I've learned? You know this is true. It is really hard to teach an adult anything, isn't it? And it's extremely hard, next to impossible, to teach an adult how to be generous. I'm telling you, if you haven't learned generosity by the time you're an adult, what I have seen is it is so hard to start. And all the stats bear that out. I mean, we adults, we give a half percent, one percent, two percent of our income away on average as Americans. And the thing is, we feel really good about ourselves. But you don't have a clue what generosity is when you're doing that. The problem is you think you do. You think that's generous. But when you're an adult, it's so hard because you always feel like you're going to need something later, don't you? You never learned you can live on less than 100% of what you make. So what happens to all of us if we're not careful is our money makes us selfish. We don't even realize it. And then we get to the end of life and we run out of time before we run out of money. And so we pass the money along to the kids and they end up having the same problem we had. But the church taught me that generosity, well, that's an invitation to see God work. Generosity is the number one thing God has used to build my trust in him bigger. And generosity for me has been the rocket fuel to accelerate the purpose and fulfillment and meaning that I get to enjoy in life. So I'm just telling you, if you came up to me today and you said, hey, Matt, we found a way to give you back every single dollar that you and Jen have given away in your entire lives. But if you take the money back, we're going to erase all the good that your generosity did. I'm just telling you, there's no way that we'd take it back. And I've got a pretty good idea how much money that is. I've been tracking it for years. You know, if I had all that back, I could start living some of your lifestyles, you know, but I wouldn't do it because I have never missed money that I gave away. But the church taught me all that. What the church has taught me is that following Jesus, it'll make my life better and it'll make me better at life. Now, I didn't say it would make my life easier, but it'll definitely make it better. God uses a church to fix us up when we're broken, absolutely. But God also uses a church to prevent us from being broken in the first place. If you give me a choice, I'll take preventing over fixing any day. Now, if you happen to be watching this and you're thinking, and I wish I'd grown up in a church that taught me some of that, but they didn't. Well, you understand why we do what we do. You understand why it's so important. We do this for you. We do this for all the people like you. And we're really passionate about doing this for the next generation coming behind you. This is why we put so much effort into investing in our kids and our students. Because when God uses the church to teach them these lessons, they avoid so much heartache and trouble from the very beginning. 
As a parent, if you're a parent, listen, for just a second, as a parent, you should never attend a church that teaches your kids to hate church. There's your basic rule. Your number one goal should be to surround your kids and your students with people that God will use to instill these kinds of lessons in them. I don't know why every parent wouldn't prioritize being in church with their kids most weekends. When you add up all the Sundays that you spend somewhere else, think about it. What do you have to show for it? When you add up all the Sundays you spend at church, well, you see your kids' lives changed. Small, consistent deposits in your kids' lives over a period of time, they always make a big difference. So my opinion is I don't think there's a better investment. I don't know why everybody wouldn't want to be part of a church like Paul described. I don't know why everybody doesn't pick up a Bible, read what Jesus taught, and figure out how to follow it. I don't know why everybody doesn't carve out time to volunteer at their local church so they can serve more people and influence more lives. And I'll be honest, I don't know why we don't have a waiting list of people who want to serve and invest in the next generation. I don't know why everybody doesn't have a plan to financially invest in the church you love. I mean, imagine if all the churches went out of business. Think about it. Where would people be inspired to greatness? Where would people learn values? How would our conscience be informed? Where would we be inspired to live for something bigger than and beyond ourselves? Who would teach us that serving is actually the path to significance and greatness? Listen, I don't know why everybody wouldn't want every friend they have to be part of a church that does that. And why wouldn't you invite your friends? Why wouldn't you look at that coworker and go, hey, you ought to come sit with me on Sunday? Because your invitation, well, that could change everything for that person. Who wouldn't love to be part of a community of people like that? As Paul said, God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, both in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And he works, he does it, through the community of people we call the church. So, if you're not involved, if you're not engaged, if you're not committed to a local church, think about what you're missing. Imagine what your kids, your grandkids are missing. Imagine what the people around you are missing. And while you may not realize it, you're settling for less than God created you to be and do. So my question to you would be, what do you need to do to engage? How do you need to get involved so God can use you? I've chosen to give my life to this, and I've chosen to give my life to you. But I want to invite you to come alongside me. I want to invite you to do the same for somebody else. Would you give? Would you serve? And would you choose to love? Because that is what Jesus does for you. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.